0: okay we're on we are on hello brother hey brother welcome to episode two of blood brothers we're sticking with that
1: now i thought it had that really catchy title two brothers talking about interesting things on zoom for about an hour and a lot of it is content and some of it is funny and they talk for a while isn't that the, the title you know you mentioned a lot of
2: his content it's an interesting um English translation
1: of, of Titan. You're saying the word Titan. I am now translating it as content. And it, what's interesting is um, the word content wasn't used very much until for, like the past few years has caught on as a thing people say all the time. As like, you know, if you're on the Internet and you're you got to make content and you got to release content all the time. She will okay. say content a lot. It wasn't a word that yeah. we used. It was one of these words. Content, content yeah. aggregator. It was content one of these words a before. Word. It's a new word. And it, when, when I used to use it, we used to use it as a translation of taiken which all, all the time I would, like when, it was, whenever, when I was making itchikadoozy stuff, I'd have to talk about like how much content, and what's the What content. is the ratio of silliness to to, to content. And it would be like one of these words that, that like, why don't you just say token? Because nobody uses this word content. It's like phylacteries. Right. No one uses it at all. No.
0: Right. And now, since since then, people use it, but they use it for a completely different meaning.
1: Yeah. So, so, yeah. so now if we say it, it's like it has some content and it has some silliness, well, in the normal use of the word, silliness is content. It's probably more valuable content than people... Talking about stuff you have, actually have to think about. That's That's probably true. You get more of an audience
0: if you have silly content, which if you were using content to mean token, silly content would be an oxymoron.
1: Or uh, not to me. Not. not to me. That's my business. Content can be funny. I had a friend who who um, was in a screenwriting class. And he wrote a a screenplay and he shared it for criticism and somebody said and it had I don't know what the I don't know what the screenplay was, um, but there was there was humor in it and somebody commented that oh, that you know it's 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 uh it's really great that you used humor in it that and and it really helps your message humor can be a really great Trojan horse to get a message through and when I heard that I thought you know the Trojan horse well my reaction was. That's a terrible way to use humor because then your message basically is now your message is just going to jump I don't out want to make horse. you laugh. i want to sneak
0: into your city and kill all of you.
1: <laughs> exactly. You're going to sneak. Now you're, you're the joke The you send in the humor and then the message jumps out and pillages. Right. So that's why you didn't like it. I didn't like it. And since then, I've thought a lot about that. Whenever oh, I, was I was right,
0: what I said, that's why you didn't yes, like it. Yes, that
1: was exactly why I did not like it. Because Protein um, is aggressive, that means you're, you're going to hurt people. It's also not an honest use of the humor. It means that you're not valuing the humor in and of itself. Okay, so now we're getting into
0: something. This, I think you're touching on one of my pet theories. Okay. (sighs) About disingenuousness and about manipulation in communication and that the biggest communication sin, especially when we're talking about unilateral communication, like frontal teaching or, you know, when you have somebody up on the stage and they're talking and you have a room full of people who have to listen. In other words, if you're the content provider, okay, the worst sin is to be manipulative. And the source of the sin of being manipulative is disrespect for your audience. In other words, put it simple, you're going to say stuff because you know it'll get the reaction you want, not because you actually care about what you're saying. So one of the symptoms or the expressions or manifestations of this is called pandering.
2: okay, okay.
0: Pandering is but one example but um, anytime uh, you are getting a laugh, a cheap laugh, uh, anytime you're ter- uh, you're jerking at uh, heartstrings uh, for the emotional response, that's manipulative. Now, if you have a message and your message happens to be hilarious or your message happens to be emotionally powerful or poignant, that's the greatest thing. I mean, that means you hit upon a really a message that resonates. But if you're doing those things in order to be able, well, it mitigates it at least if you're doing it to be able to get in a message, sometimes you don't even have a message you're just manipulating for the sake of, I don't know what the motivation would be. I think the motivation would be for the, the sake of satisfaction of being able to do it. It's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible thing to be able to get reactions from people, you know, comedians talk about, you get up there and you hear the laugh and there's that power of getting the laugh, right? So, I, I, yeah. I think when, when in creativity, there's always a risk of using your audience
1: mm. to
0: meet your emotional needs.
1: And uh, I don't think that should be done. It's the same The same pet. I think we have identical twin pet theories that were separated at birth. I've thought a lot about what is propaganda? Yeah. Because I, I have made Jewish edu- educational content. Right. Um, I spent eight years working at Chabad.org creating content. Um, and... I was creating content that was supposed to be fun and funny and entertaining, and also educational. And so I asked myself a lot about what what is the definition of propaganda, and am I making it or am I not? Obviously, my, I would not like to make propaganda. I, I, I don't. think it's important to say that you don't want to be. A no, propaganda. Michael. Yeah, it sound, that sounds bad, but. But I don't know what it is. And I asked a lot of people that question, a lot of people right. I, I, I love and respect. And and, and I got some right. different answers, and I got a lot of, I don't know. I don't know what propaganda is. And it's, we all know we don't like it, and we think it's bad and it's manipulative. Well, maybe we were told not to like it, which itself could be. It is propaganda. Uh, yeah, so, so the conclusion I came to, or at least a working theory that that I've, I've been satisfied with for a little while, is... If it is not genuinely interesting to you, if it does not give you the same emotional reaction that you're trying to get from other people.
0: Wow. In in other words, it's it's almost the reverse of they're not laughing with you, they're laughing at you. Right. Okay. But this is your audience isn't reacting with you, they're reacting to you. Right. That's a good really good way of saying it. By the way, just to add something totally not related at all, but just because the turn of phrase reminded me. So I was talking to a friend of mine who is a uh, grandson of Zalman Jaffe, who was the chassid from you know, Mr. Manchester, the first chassid who organized a charter plane from England to New York to uh, bring a group to the Rebbe. And it was whenever the Rebbe would see Zalman Jaffe, the Rebbe would always give a big smile. There's a famous picture of the Rebbe with a big smile. Basically, what did the photographer do? He stood right next to Zalman Jaffa. He waited for the Rebbe to turn around, sees Zalman Jaffa, and then he jumped in front of Zalman Jaffa, and he got the picture. So, anyways, my friend was telling me that his his family would sometimes say to their their father or their grandfather or whatever, uh, they would say, "The Rebbe smiles," you know, the Debba smiles every time he sees every time he sees you. They told him Zadie or Ta, whatever whoever he was to them, that is not laughing with you. The Rebbe is laughing at you. Now, set aside the question of whether or not the Rebbe ever laughed at anyone or not. Okay, let's just leave that discussion aside for now. The reaction to me was beautiful. Salman Jaffi said to them, what do I care why the Rebbe is laughing? At least the Rebbe is happy. I thought that was a beautiful thing, that a Hasid should feel that You know who cares how it gets done. The point is, I made the Rebbe happy. I think it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing. I think it's like a a glimpse into like a a more of a human side of his cautious that maybe we don't hear about so often.
1: So then that leads me back to our 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 twin pet theories. Then, what if you are? Being emotionally manipulative, telling people heartstring stories because you genuinely, you want them to feel that happiness and joy. Right. You just,
0: I don't care if I have to lie. I don't care if I have to put on a show and I don't care if I have to be
1: fake, but you know what? The people felt good for an hour. Yeah. It was, yeah. Is that okay? Is that a good, a good motivation to emotionally manipulate people? I mean- I guess like, that would be as good of a reason as any for a comedian to want to make mm-hmm. people laugh. But isn't, the, isn't that the propagandist's
0: justification? Who cares if I have to use manipulative imagery and, and, and wording? In the end, I've told the people about this very important message that, that they need for their lives.
1: Uh, so I guess there is a, a follow-up. Or you and...
0: say the propagandist is such a cynic he doesn't even believe in the cause that he's
2: promoting. How did we get started talking about propaganda? Uh, we were talking about content oh,
0: so we're talking about content, yeah, so it's very it's uh somewhat
2: ironic that you used, so you don't usually do that usually you use uh, you use good, normal everyday plain conversational English
1: yeah, this uh, yeah. this one snuck into the my normal vocabulary. But, but I
0: think it's, if you're willing to be the uh, the subject here of our uh, analysis, I think it's a great example how even somebody like you, who I know spends lots and lots of time translating Ksidus into your vernacular, your language, the language that you think in and dream
1: in, even for you it happened. So that i I, I, that I, did, I clumsily translated something in, in a way that doesn't actually communicate what I'm trying to say. Right, something that's a literal translation, but f- but but functionally it's, it's meaningless. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that happened to you. And I know how much time and and effort and and, and attention you give to specifically this. In fact, I would say, hope this doesn't sound like uh, you know personal bias, but you're one of the greatest people in the world at this, at taking a deep concept in this and putting it into deceptively everyday language.
1: I um, we'll almost call it a Trojan horse. <laughs> you're, you're, you're reminding my wife and I had an idea once to make a, ch- you know the, the board game Taboo? Yeah. make ch- ch- is Taboo. And the way Taboo works is you have a word. Um, I don't know why. By you the way, it. I should tell you yeah. that there was, I forget
0: what it was, maybe a Talks and Tales or something, something that Miss Mandel wrote up. And yes, so you hear where I'm going. He used the word Taboo. Maybe it was Lubavitch News Service. I'll find out later what it was. Something in English that went in front of the Rebbe, went to the Rebbe's desk. and The Rebbe took out the word taboo, because I believe he, the Rebbe even wrote a note, like Shaykh Levay hmm. The word itself is connected to some type of...
1: Uh, well, do, did Have you looked it up? Do you know what the... I did at one point,
0: actually, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's so interesting. I, I, I
0: had never thought about well, that. Well, what do you think the etymology of taboo is, by the I, way? I am looking
1: it up right now. Do it doesn't you know sound it
2: like a regular English word, does it?
1: I guess not. Yeah, so what, what, do
2: you, what do you think the etymology is? Tongan is the word origin? I don't Tongan. know what that is. I don't know what Tongan. that is. What? Tonga. You know where Tonga is? No. We'll go look. I am. I'm looking at Wikipedia now. It's a
0: Polynesian sovereign state. So it's a Polynesian word. Interesting. Okay. You know that Polynesian studies is a viper's den? I have heard that. (laughs) Nobody in the world knows what that is. No. (laughs) I wrote to a professor of Polynesian studies about my ultimate pet theory. And he told me to stay out of it. He says, Rabbi, do not risk your good reputation entering into this discussion. Polynesian studies is a viper's den. So I don't know if we should talk about it because we're going to get on a sidetrack. But at yeah. one point, maybe in a future episode of Blood Brothers. We, we should talk about, about the code of,
1: of Jerusalem.
0: Okay, now you, you, you gave away a little bit. Yes, we're going to talk about my special pet theory, why I was interested and still am in the Polynesian area. And yeah, okay. How they, tried right. to, they tried to warn me they tried to dissuade
1: me but anyways, the, yeah, so the word
0: taboo is of Tongan etymology Yes.
1: anyways so well, can, can I continue using the, the word on this broadcast All right. there's a, a board game by that name and uh, the point uh, for, from now on instead of saying the Categories? name of the game not, uh, instead of saying the Categories. name of the game I will imitate the logo which is somebody going like that <laughs> alright so there's this game called and uh oh, you look like the guy by the way thank you I've, I've practiced in a mirror and the way it works you pull a card and then you have to you have a teammate and you, you have a word on the top of the card like uh, i don't know what it was let's say and you have to get them to guess the word street but then there's a bunch of words you can't say like walk or road or pavement i don't know whatever mm-hmm. it is so the idea behind the chasidist the version would be you have a concept you have to explain and but then there's a bunch of buzzwords you're not allowed to say like higher or lower or levels um, light or draw down yeah or yeah so basically or, or this physical world <laughs> physicality uh yeah and so you have to be able to explain this without using all the all of the words that we generally bar, like they're just borrowed words that aren't actually communicating. Literal direct translations say. of common Catholic yeah. terminology. Yeah.
0: Right. I thought that I would like to get a copy from my uh, NSA agent of a transcript. What National Security Administration? Yeah.
1: Right. I, 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 yeah. So I, I didn't know what you meant by your NSA agent. You mean the one who is? I'm current, assuming they have one. There's a guy whose job it is. To I'm listen to all of your phone calls. Right. or, or
0: And Zoom conferences as well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, by the way, he's probably really proud right now. Well, oh, because he got a shout out. He got a shout out. Anyways, okay. I want him to give me a transcript of a month of my conversations. And then what I want to do is get like some c- computer programmer to make a word bank out of it. So it'll take any word that I used in my conversations from, you know, regular, normal day-to-day conversations. Like I'm at the grocery store and I'm calling home and I'm, and I'm asking my wife, which oatmeal, the green one or the red one, right? So those words, regular words that I actually use. And it end, like after a month or two, you give me those words. And now I should learn a mimer and then explain the mimer. But I can only use the words that I've used for the past two months in regular okay. day-to-day conversations.
2: Interesting. That'd be an interesting exercise.
1: So you have to use only words that you use with normal people and normal conversations to express ideas that are that you're trying to actually communicate. Mm -hmm.
0: So this is very interesting
1: that we're talking about
0: this because I wanted to. What I wanted to share with you, as far as no, there does have to be some content in this podcast. So the content
2: portion. So, and it's from, it's from the Degel Mach, Mach Nefrayim, on, uh, on Parshish B'Shalach. And uh, the Rebbe repeated it with greater amplification
0: at the Fabrengen of Yud Shvat Tavshin Yud Base. Okay, so you're talking about not the first Yud Shvat Fabrengen where the Rebbe said Basilogani the first time and it was Makabal the we but you're talking about a year after that. The second one. So at that Fabren <coughs> the Rebbe shares the uh the vote from the Dagomach Nephraim.
2: There's a posik in uh Parsha's when it's talking about uh, the Yid leaving Mitzrayim. So it says actually is it B'Shalach? Is it Parsha's Buddy? Might be Parsha's Buddy. Okay, anyways. It says that him, Yisrael he
0: left the Yod Rama, Yod Rama, with a high hand. But it's normally translated as boldly or defiantly, even. And uh, the Targum translate that translates that as B'nai Yisrael Nofku, B'nai Yisrael left Bresh glee. I think Bereshkli literally means a revealed head, and it was the Degomach Nefrayim says that this is what. What does it mean? It's similar to what it says that Buddha with this book, the Zaihar, it says about the Zaihar that the, the Jewish people are going to go out of Galus. That Yetsim they, they left Mitzrayim means Mitzrayim means Galus. The Yidden are going to go out of Galus. Jews will leave their exile.
2: How beresh glee, when, when base rash yod shin, bereish, is glee, revealed. What is that?
0: Rosh Reb Yisrael Baal Shem, or Reb Yisrael Ben Sara, which is the same person, Baal Shem. Not in order, though. You got me You got me confused. Not in order, but it, many times Rosh are not in order. Okay. They don't have to be in order. Okay, so I'm, uh, anyways. Um, so the Rebbe mentions that in addition, it's not just the Baal Shem Tov, but also, also from the Degel Mach Nefran, that actually, and, and this is why I want to talk about it now before before Lag Boimit. the Rebbe kind of puts it into a historical context, sort of the evolution of the, revo- the revelation of the inner dimension of Torah.
1: So how do Wait, we, so? Is, is is Beresh also Rester Tavis Rashby? Please. I'm sorry. I stu- I just, did I just steal the punchline?
0: Stole my thunder. You didn't steal my pun- <laughs> the, My punchline. No, thank God you didn't steal my punchline,
1: but you stole my setup. A little bit. I apologize. Okay. Just let it breathe. I did, it's not because I read it. I was just excited because I figured it out. So,
0: the evolution of the revelation of the inner dimension of Torah.
2: Really, where did it begin? It began with Rebbe Shimon ben Yoichoi, which is Rebbe, Reish, Shimon, Shin, Ben, Base Yoichoi, Yud, Rashbi, or the same letters as Beresh.
0: (gasps) Thank you. Appreciate it. I had an emotional need to be able to tell that way and get a reaction from the one who was listening. Emotionally manipulated you for your own sake, out of love. You emotionally manipulated me. I emotionally manipulated you. Then it's just a a vicious circle of emotional manipulation. Two people showing propaganda to each other and
2: pretending to love it. (laughs) Two propagandists propagandizing each other.
0: (laughs) Do you think propagandists are the most idealistic people or the most cynical people? I think there's a spectrum. I think. I think there's a spectrum too. And for some reason, I, I for some reason I feel like it's probably similar to the spectrum of personalities that existed in the offices of Mad Magazine.
1: <laughs> I don't think
0: know why I feel that way.
1: The, there was a lot of Are you suggesting that Mad Magazine is propaganda? No, I don't. It's anarchist think, propaganda. Well, they were shtickle anarchist. But
0: also, they were also somewhat it's, it's interesting though they were also in some ways reactionary and anti hippie, although I think they actually were mocking more of like the commercialization of hippie culture and how it became mainstream. I don't know did you ever did you ever read my Friend God by Dave Berg? No, you know Dave Berg did illustrations for Sheik Times, yes, so did Al Jaffe yes. Anyways, Dave Berg wrote a book called My Friend God. Um, And it's basically all about his personal relationship with God, his feelings about being Jewish, and it's really, really interesting. Okay. So, Bereish is the acronym, out of order, for Rabbi Shimon Ben Yechai, the author of the Zaihar. And the
2: Basically, the one who began revealing um, what we call Panimiya Satira, the inner dimension, or Kabbalah. By the way, I'll tell you something interesting. I saw
0: where did I see it? It's from the Rebbe. Oh, I'll tell you where I saw it. In Sichha for Base Nissen. We just had the hundredth yard site of the Rebbe Rashab. And uh So it's famous that right before the Rebbe Rashab passed away, he said, I'm going now in heaven. The manuscripts, meaning both the ones that he had written as well as the ones he had collected from his uh, holy forebearers. I'm leaving to you. The Rebbe asks, why does he say, I'm leaving to you. Why not? I'm giving it to you. So it's very interesting. The Rebbe says the difference between leaving something
2: and giving something. Giving something means I am forcing a transaction to happen. Mm. Leaving it is (laughs) here it is, but you got to come and
0: take it. So the Rebbe says that the whole style of Hasidic Chabad is that you have to work, you have to think. You have to figure out what it means, and if you're not willing to do that, then yeah, you're not going to get it. But it's here for you. I've made it available to you, but now you got to actually put in the work. And so the Rebbe says there. He says <laughs> that Kabbalah, you know, Seidei the mystical secrets, the you know, the the, the esoteric. So the Rebbe says Ula Yeshleima. Maybe we could say one of the reasons that Kabbalah is called Kabbalah. why is it called Kabbalah? In fact, when you're learning Gemara.
2: It's Kabbalah, the word Kabbalah in Gemara means nach. Divri Kabbalah um, means, means nach in, in Gemara. So what Kabbalah came to mean, mystical
0: teachings. So that Rebbe says, maybe we could say the reason that we call the mystical teachings Kabbalah is because people hear Kabbalah and they're like, okay, fine, I accept it. <laughs> because Kabbalah means that which is accepted yeah i find i believe you it's fine. no i'm sure i'm sure it's true i I take your word what do you mean like i'm um, explain that more don't accept it. ask me to explain it to you no no, no, it's okay i accept it I'm sure it's true anyway, so where were you? We started the revelation of Kabbalah
2: Rashbi.
0: and he is beresh they should shin. So the Jews go out of Egypt, which is a byword for all exile. How Beresh Gli with the revelation of Beresh, which is Shimon Ben Yechai. Okay. However, as we know, the Zahar was not proliferated. Uh, it was it was hidden. It was still kept very much under wraps. And it wasn't really until over a thousand years later. That there were surgeons of Kabbalah being taught. Probably the
2: preeminent Kabbalist during that era was the Arizal, Reb Yitzchok Luria. So the Arizal was Reb Yitzhak Ben shleim Oh, oh, yeah, we get more of it. Get more of it, yeah. So you have, again, those same four letters,
0: based at Yud, Shin. And the Ari is the one that said that it is mutter v'ga mitzvah, it is permissible,
2: and not only permissible, but even a mitzvah to reveal the, the hidden wisdom. So um Reis, basically, is another Rosh This
0: is the one we started with, actually is uh, Rabbi Yisrael Balsham or Rabbi Yisrael Ben Soro. <clears throat> and that's the next milestone in the evolution of the revelation of the inner So basically, we start with Rabbi Shimon Ben Yechai, and the Zayar, and then we go to Rabbi, Rabbi Yitzchak Ben Shleimer, who is the Arizal, and then the next sort of uh, milestone in this progression is is the Balshamtif. We took the te- teachings of Kabbalah and made them
2: accessible to the masses, which is a you know a whole new breakthrough.
1: And that's its use of That's how we get out of of, of our Constraints and limitations is through Kabbalah, but it has to had to happen through this whole. Was is that like the Yitzias Mitzrayim of Yitzias Mitzrayim? Yitzias
0: Mitzrayim in this case literally means Geula, It's going out of a broken world and into a perfected world. It, it means you're not just on a personal of uh, you know personal exodus. It literally means how's the world get from Its dysfunctional state to its perfected state, what we call the messianic state. How are we there? Through this progression of these teachings becoming more and more mainstream. Mm. That's that's what glee
2: means. Glee means revealed. So here's the thing. Points out, and I think you're going to like this part of it. Yeah, you especially. That where do we find? the acronym for these three key figures
0: in this progression. We don't find it in traverse, the verse. We find it in the targum. In the translation. In the translation, Beresh So what's the whole point? It's not that these holy things exist as ideas. Big deal. That doesn't change the world. What changes the world is when these are translated. And they're translated from a holy Context, meaning the words are the verse. The Yodrama—that's the the holy tongue—but it's put into a vernacular, an un- language. Aramaic is a is an unholy language. It's a, it's a it's a vernacular, and that. But that is exactly what we're talking about. What is it talking about? What is Glee? Revelation. But what's revelation? Revelations when you have regular everyday
1: language for these spiritual ideas, and that's what we started with. I was mm. talking about. Getting your yeah, NSA it, guy to give you a transcript again, of all of the regular words you use so you can talk about Hasidus that way.
0: Precisely. Precisely. So what we know the So, the so what, does, place wait, what
1: does the Targum part add over Glee? The, f- the fact we
2: already said reveal. Doesn't that imply that it's no. understood? No,
0: no. Because you know what? You can go Uh, look up medical journals. They're all online. They're available to you. Mm. But they're not written in language that you can relate to. So that's like saying, look, we're going to upload all of the (laughs) suffix. I would
1: would argue that it is particularly important. I mean, this might sound obvious, but it's particularly important for a translator, and we can use that term broadly. We can use it for somebody who's writing Hasidic puppet shows. It is also a translator in in some ways um, to not undermine the the glee part, the revelation part, because you sometimes so the information is already out there. You can go on Safaria and, and everything's there, um, but there's that extra step we need to do and make it make it approachable and accessible. But you could actually undermine the accessibility if you mess it up. Translate it too much. You translate it,
2: yeah. You translate to it too much,
1: or you or translate you it unfaithfully. Unfaithfully translate it in a way where you're communicating. Where you translate it in a manipulative way, where yeah. you get a reaction, where you want people to like it. You want. Well, I just wanted them to resonate with the message. I will say this in in the name of my wife, and hopefully she won't be mad at me for it. That she points out very often. There's a trend that exists that people will post like a meme of, but it's, it's a picture of the rabbit and then it'll have some inspirational message. And then it will say underneath it, you know, with a little dash, the laboratory rabbit. Right. And it will be some inspirational thing, like right. whatever the, whatever it is in very flowery English language. Right. And that's not something that I've ever said. I've certainly never said those English words. And, and let's discuss the aesthetic
0: of making the Rebbe into a meme. Yes. And and if we're not even going to discuss the aesthetic, let's not even discuss the respectability of it. But at any rate, yes, go ahead. Admire my- the intention, I guess. The well intended person who is trying to
1: Okay, at any rate, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so the the, the the intention is is definitely most certainly have someionis. Yeah. But my, my wife points out that Rebbe didn't say that. So I mean if the it would be different if the person took ownership of that and said based on what I under, something I learned from the ebb this is this is what I feel and I'd like to express it but um,
2: my question is this if let's somebody learned a Sikha and they came up with a memified version of the message Why? Why is putting a picture of the Rebbe any? Why? Why
0: does that add to it? Why does attributing it to the Rebbe add to it? Yeah. Um, well, the, the, I why can't. You just say this is a thing that you thought of on your own. What's right. wrong with
1: saying it in your own name? Yeah. So there's a sikhah somewhere where the Rebbe asks in in all the time. The Rebbeim will say things in a in a that has already been said before, right? Why don't they always say it and attribute it to where it was said previously? Right, so, it's a Mishnah, right? Is he have so to say something? Yeah, you know? and maybe the Gula right? Right. Well, that's why when I eat laffy taffies, I always say the joke. Um, but what I seem to remember is that uh, if you have gotten to a point, and, and it might not have been saying this about the Rebbein, it might have been saying this in general about saying things with Shemayim and Gemara or whatever it is, if you, lear- if you got it, if you learned it and then got it on your own and got to a point where you understand how to, where you, you can you can get this answer get to this answer with your own logic, so then it's yours and you don't have to say it with Shemayim but if, if it is, it's not there yet, if it's something that you can't get there on your own, then you right. say it in the name of the person who gave it right. to you.
0: And the truth is one, would, one could argue, and one should argue, because <laughs> uh, this is the truth, that the ultimate goal in all of Torah is to take ownership. This is the, the Gemara in, in Kiddushin that asks, if a Talmud Chacham can be most covered. Maybe it's not his covet, it's kovat Torah, So he has no right to uh, forgo the honor due to a Torah scholar. So the Gemara concludes, based on the first chapter of, of Psalms, it says Ashe Aish, right? That In Torah, uh, in the Torah of Hashem is his desire and in his Torah, he toils at night, or he, he meditates day and night. So uh, the Gemara says, the have to say, when he wants to learn it, meaning he wants to learn it, he didn't learn it, he wants to learn it, then it's all Hashem. It's the Torah of Hashem. But when it's Yeager, he actually meditates on it, Yem day and night, it's they calls it Torah, His Torah doesn't mean Hashem's Torah, his Torah means the person's Torah. Because now he put it in equity, and he made a kenyan in this Torah. Now he, that now it's his. And therefore, he could actually forgo the honor due to the Torah scholar, because that Torah that he knows is, is, is his position, belongs to him. This is also the reason why Torah is compared to, to in the of Tanya, Chapter 5 of Tanya. says mitzvahs are like clothing, and Torah study is like food. Because when you eat food, it becomes, you metabolize, it becomes part and you know, part of your flesh and blood. When you learn it properly, it not, it, you're not quoting mm-hmm. it anymore. I'm not quoting it anymore. It became my way of thinking. That's yeah. the ultimate So, goal.
1: so you asked the question: What does it add if you say this meaningful thing, and no. then you put the picture of the Rebbe on it and, and attribute it there, and the Lubavitcher Rebbe there at the bottom? What does that add? I would say I could argue that it's actually. You're 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 admitting that you don't own this yet. This isn't yours. Mm-hmm. You're sharing something. You're just passing it on, right? In which case, maybe it's just better to send them a link
0: to the translation, right? If you don't own it yet, why am I listening to you? Just send right. me a link to the original. Yeah. I'll study it. Maybe I'll come to own it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't even own it, why am I listening to you say it in your own words, right? Which, by implication, <laughs> if you do own it, I would love to hear you say it in your own words. Yeah. As that's Beresh Gli. The said said Yad Rama. And comes Unkelis, and he says it in a, in, a, in a vernacular, in a non-holy language. He translates it so that people can relate. That's called revealing it. So, it's not just Unkelis. It's each one of us. It's Rabbi Shimon Ben Yechai. It's Yitzchak Ben It's Rabbi Israel Baal Shem. That and each of us comes along and translates Torah for time and for your place and for your
2: milieu and your your cultural context.
1: Reaction to that? No, I don't. I was. I was still. I was. I was spacing out. I apologize. I was trying to because you were going through all the initials, and then I was let down because and, and each of us, I wanted some way for each of us to be included in in those rishotavas. Okay, so I'm going to th- tell you how, and then we're going to wrap it up.
2: Huh?
1: Yeah. So that Rebbe says
0: this is not written in Svarim, but somebody told this to me, and I liked it. And that Rebbe says normally, also, you shouldn't make up. Ideas in Siddhas. Which is just, how is that different than what we're talking about? What we're talking about is don't make up new ideas. New ways of saying those ideas so that people can understand them. Don't make up new ideas. So that was said, don't make up new ideas. But he told me that isn't Beresh also the acronym for Yesef Yitzchak ben Sternasara or Yesef Yitzchok ben Ben, reading the Rebbe's Rebbe, the previous Rebbe. The Rebbe then brings out how the Firdek Rebbe was so involved in this very kind of translating Ksiddis. First of all, literally translating Ksiddis, that the Firdek Rebbe was the one who started getting Qasiddus translated into so many different languages. But not just that. Translating it meaning into different cultural contexts. You know, you look at the stuff that Lubavitch in America was in the 40s, and like, yes you know, trying to put Siddhis into the language of people at that time with that mentality. You know, look at Hakriya Vakadusha or 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 look at the look at the stuff that uh, those the comic books that they put out. Anyways, the point is retaining the authentic teachings and then repackaging them in a context that's accessible to people. And I would hope, to be serious for one moment
1: you weren't serious the the rest of the time. Was that was, that was all a joke? It was all propaganda. I was emotionally <laughs> manipulating you. But I would hope
0: that this podcast is a part of that attempt to translate Sidis Think. authentic way. But in language, I shouldn't say "but" because it's not a contradiction. To, to translate Sidis in an authentic way. And to do it in a way
2: that's accessible, yeah, I hope so too yeah
1: okay but so i like what I like most about it when i what I think makes it fit into that is um the the tangents and going off and stream of consciousness and it, when we're talking about ownership before, I think for me that that's that's an important part of of feeling like the tira is yours. you're not just sitting in a class and hearing it, but you're 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 uh connecting it with things that are in your own head and and, and playing with it and it can it could be playful, yeah, you did <laughs> so remember to smash that
0: subscribe button, <laughs> yeah, get involved in the comments the person with the best answer.
1: David's going to make 100 Itchy Oh, dollars. but come on. <laughs> come on, you're killing me here. Every time. By the way, yeah. I, we, can I, I ask
0: you for your forgiveness here on this? Uh, yeah. Last week, I said... By the end, was, I, the,
1: like, the first couple of people, I did it right. By the end, people were ta- me- messaging me. Like, hey, I figured it out. And it was Larry <laughs> King. And i I'm like, fine. This is Itchy Happy birthday.
2: <laughs> okay. Anyways, it's been a pleasure. As always, as, as always hey, da, 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 da.